0: Hey Eagles fans, this is Mike K from NJ Advanced Media and welcome to the No Huddle Show podcast where we discuss anything and everything Philadelphia Eagles. You can read our content on NJ.com Eagles, bookmark that, and you can subscribe to our exclusive Eagles Insider Tech Service where we'll break news, give you insider observations, and provide in-depth analysis. Through Eagles Extra, you can send questions and comments directly to us and we'll respond to your phone. With me today, as always, is my fellow Eagles beat reporter and kind of do it your all Sixers writer Chris Franklin. Uh, today, we're going to discuss the Eagles depth chart, our takeaways from the off-season program, and break down the most interesting battles for training camp. Chris, it's been a while. How you doing?
1: Not bad, man. It has been. I miss talking football with you. It, it was. It's been great. Like talking, talking to everybody else who was uh, listening to this podcast. How are you feeling?
0: I'm, I'm doing well. So for our audience, I know that we've been away for a, a, quite a bit, uh, almost a month. Um, but we're back and raring to go. Uh, I had, unfortunately, some family uh, medical stuff that I needed to kind of see through. Everything's solid right now. Um, and then Chris has been covering the Sixers relentlessly. So we've just kind of haven't been on the same timeline uh, time wavelength or whatever but uh I'm happy we're back we're ready to roll um look I mean the off season program it's very hard to take away you know information from you know guys running on air and no 7 on 7s no 11 on 11s um you know we'll we'll talk about a roster move that was kind of came out of left field and kind of showed how little you could really glean from You know, availability for three separate practices that were only, you know, available for stretching and individual drills. We'll get into that. But, um, Chris, let's talk about this roster move. Uh, So the Eagles brought three wide, oh, sorry, three quarterbacks to uh, the offseason program. Obviously, Jalen Hurts, the presumed starter, Joe Flacco, the presumed veteran backup. Uh, And then they brought it, they signed Jamie Newman as an undrafted free agent. They didn't draft anybody uh, in, in during draft weekend. And, you know, we just kind of assumed Jamie Newman was competing against himself for the third job. The Eagles typically take four guys to training camp. Um, And then we just presumed that he was going to be the guy taking the majority of the preseason action. Like as a matter of fact, when I did the preseason release just, uh, I mean, just Tuesday, I used Jamie Newman's picture for the article because you assumed that this was going to be the guy who really got to take advantage. And if there was one undrafted free agent that you felt like could make the team, it seemed like it would be Jamie Newman just because he was competing with nobody but himself. At worst, he was going to be on the practice squad. He couldn't even make it to training camp. What's your take on this?
1: I think that was for me, I... I- it was very concerning because the the guy had looked like, at least what I've seen from his tape back from his Wake Forest days and what I've seen during camp, like with his arm. The guy has the physical traits to be an NFL quarterback. I mean, he's got the size. He's got the arm as well. I don't know if it was a thing where he didn't pick up the offense. I don't know if he struggled or couldn't get the timing down. But, I mean, for I don't even know if he got felt like he can get a better offer somewhere else and ask for his release. I mean— it, it comes very. It's a very curious move, and this team needs a developmental quarterback because you are running into the season with Jalen Hurts, who likes to use his legs. So you know there is the opportunity that he could take some shots. You have Joe Flacco, who's probably this is probably either this year or next, or if he decides to come back for a year after this, will be his last year. There is nobody else behind them right now. I mean, unless they plan on uh, converting Tyree Jackson back from tight end back to a quarterback to fill that role. I just don't know what they're going to be able to do with that position. And it, they have to find somebody soon with camp coming up pre, in about a couple months.
0: Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think people will say, you know, it's not that big of a deal. We know that Jalen Hurts will be on the roster. We know that Jeff Flacco will be on the roster. Um, but it's a matter of reps. So the third, for those who aren't familiar, during training camp, the number three quarterback doesn't get a ton of reps, but – during the preseason, you obviously don't want to put your starters out there. And with there now being a 17-game season, the the rush to put Jalen Hurts or Joe Flacco out on the field is kind of like negated. So you basically have this situation where maybe Jalen Hurts plays two series in the final preseason game or the second preseason game. Maybe Joe Flacco plays two series in another Uh, preseason game, but really, other than that, you're probably going to not risk uh, either one of them to sloppy preseason action, and so look, they need a guy who can take on reps. Like, Doug Peterson and and Andy Reid typically have four quarterbacks. Um, You know, Chip Kelly had four quarterbacks in camp. Uh, This team has two, and, you know, most of the young talents kind of, unless you're like looking at Ryan Finley who just got cut by the Texans after being traded from the Bengals. I I don't really know who you're bringing in uh, to take on those reps. That's the thing about Jamie Newman. He was essentially an arm. Like with training camp, like I got into this debate with uh, a a reader um, on Facebook. Basically, the reader was like, the Eagles don't have a a light, you know, a a crowded depth chart. And I said, well, from a number standpoint, they do. Uh, or, or sorry, they don't have a light depth chart, but from a number standpoint, they do because Trevon Grimes, who was just waived injured, um, we exclusively reported on Eagles Extra uh, and on NJ.com that he had suffered an, or that he had suffered a knee injury and underwent a procedure. Um, he's probably done for the year unless the Eagles agree to an injury settlement with him at some point this offseason. Um And then they also cut Khalil Tate, but like. Their numbers at wide receiver, they don't have a lot of guys. Like, sure, the competition is all there, all the guys you'd expect to be part of the, the competition. But, man, like, it, you, you it's interesting to study the numbers of guys being taken to camp because they've gone very heavy on running backs. They've gone very heavy on offensive line. Um, but there are reps to be taken up at quarterback. You don't want a guy to have a dead arm by the end of camp uh you know I mean I mean you know you can speak to this speak to this from, from a quarterback standpoint like you can't be throwing as often as is as being asked and then go and prepare for this regular season right
1: exactly and you don't and especially early on you'll feel you'll see the first couple of weeks if you throw a lot as much as the routes they run during warmups. if it's just just think about a normal a normal day they thought after warmup. warm up to get their arm loose, they have to throw the routes during the games, they have to throw when they're throwing 7 they 11, throw against 11 11s. You're that much stress you're putting on your arm, you think, well, their quarterback should get used to it. You get to a point that you won't show up in the first two, three, four weeks, but you get to the middle of the season and you it starts to wear on you. And then you start to lose zip on the ball. And then that turn, could turn into more interceptions, bad at balls and completion. So it's a domino effect. And they have to. They really, truly do have to find a quarterback sooner than later, and especially if it's a younger guy, because you can get as many mental reps as you can. And, and I know they say it's important to get mental reps, looking at the film and everything that's associated with it. But unless, you, till you get onto the field and you get a true feel of the players you're playing with, you get to see the routes that are developing in front of you, it gets a little tough. And to ro- roll in with two guys, they. they I can't. For the life of me, I can't see them going in with just two guys. I th- I wouldn't be surprised if they signed somebody within the next couple weeks, maybe two, to and then have a competition back for that third spot, and then somebody else goes for a developmental. But they have to do that for the sake of both Flacco and Hurts' arms. <laughs> They're gonna, it's going to fall off if they don't.
0: Yeah, I mean, and we're not saying that they need the upgrades in talent, because that's just simply not there. You can argue – where you would put Jalen hurts in, in like the grand spectrum of quarterbacks, but like from just a, a general like inventory standpoint, especially in training camp, you need some camp arms. Like you can't just do this. You know what I mean? You need like, yes, they have quarterbacks, former quarterbacks on, on the coaching staff. Alex Tenney is a, um, an analyst for them. I mean, he just was playing for the giants last year. Sure. He can throw around, But realistically, you want to develop guys. And I think, you know, having a practice squad quarterback who understands the offense as much as possible is really important. You know, we bring up the mental reps, but like, they need to get a playbook in a guy's hands. You know, they've just, I don't want to say they've wasted the last month on Jamie Newman, but they have. So, you know, now, they, now they've now they got to figure out what they're going to do with quarterback. I was kind of surprised they only brought three into the offseason program to begin with. Um, you know, Jamie Newman's got to go down as, like, a major disappointment. I mean, he was a guy that a lot of draft Twitter was, like, very high on. Um, you know, maybe he left Georgia early because he didn't think he was going to be the starter there. Because I don't really understand why he came out to begin with. Because one year of starting at Wake Forest really isn't going to you know, entice the league. And, you know, it's one of those things where you see guys come out early and then they go undrafted and you're like, well, geez, they should have stayed. They got some really poor advice or they just made a poor decision. And I think Jamie Newman is clearly that guy. Um,
1: hey, can I add one more thing as well? Yeah, to, as yeah, of is, course. When it Another thing that you have to think, you want Hurts to spend as much time with the top wide receivers to build that chemistry. Because one thing that, they haven't been able to do so far is the scramble drills. I mean, we've seen Hertz move around the pocket and all that stuff's unpredictable most of the time. But when you get a sense, when you have a feel with your receivers, go, hey, you know, he's going to move to the left, so I'm going to break off my route at a certain point here. You need to get that chemistry or get that feeling. And you want Hertz to spend more time with Devonta Smith. You want him to spend more time with Rager to get that feeling. You don't want him throwing to throw into Osmond a lot. Because, to be honest, how much are you going to see all has been on the field with Hurts at the same time? So that's another aspect that they have to get another, uh, That that's not really going to be a main talking point. But you want her to spend take that time with the the top three or four receivers and then have that and work with the rest of the guys who may not make the roster or be bottom of the roster guys or special teams guys because you don't want to take that focus away from them.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I think, look, there's a lot of... Like a lot of people on Twitter were just like, why does this matter? I mean, I think in the grand scheme of things to take care of your quarter packs, you have to, you know, you have to go through an inventory check, right? You have to be able to put enough bodies on, 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 you know, on the roster that you feel like you can manage wear and tear. And I just kind of think, um, you know, Look, again, not a lot of wide receivers on the depth chart, not at least from a training camp perspective, not a lot of, you know, pass catchers. And so I think, I I do wonder if they're just like, well, let's just put as much time and effort into the two guys that we know we have. Uh, But still it's strange. Again, we fully expect them to add at least one more quarterback to this roster. If they didn't, it would be malpractice, but Uh, let's transition into that. So we've talked a lot about the quarterback position and and those numbers. We've talked a little bit about the wide receiver group. Um, Let's talk about running back because I think running back is, is a very intriguing position for this Eagles team. We got to talk to Jamal Singleton, the new running backs coach the other day, and he kind of laid it out to where he said the rotation could be anywhere from, two guys to four guys, it's just a matter of finding like different attributes that players have. And if you study Nick Sirianni and the staffs he's worked for, it's constantly building around roles. Now the Eagles are going to take, as it stands now, eight running backs into camp. Although (laughs) Adrian Killens is more of a wide receiver at this point. He somehow outlasted Khalil Tate and Travon Grimes, and I guess you're going to consider him the wide receiver uh, of the group. So let's say, let's take him out of the, the mix. You've got Miles Sanders, uh, Boston Scott, Carrion Johnson, Jordan Howard, Jason Huntley, Elijah Holyfield, and Kenny Gainwell. Um, I think we can safely rule out Elijah Holyfield, uh, as much as the old staff liked him. Um, He's just kind of there. I, Jason Huntley, I don't feel good about anymore um, with the addition of Kenneth Gainwell. Uh, Jordan Howard's really interesting. I, I know the the Phantom base and the franchise has some loyalty to him. I just, I didn't see it last year. What's your take on the running back group?
1: Well, I thought when they brought On Johnson in, I thought that spelled trouble for Jordan Howard Agreed. because one of the main things that Jordan Howard was known for was his pass blocking and hit for him to share his knowledge with guys like Sanders and Scott. And when Johnson, who is probably say arguably a better pass blocker than Jordan Howard and can still give you some pass catching out the backfield. I thought that's, I thought that was a big red flag that he may not be around on the roster. I mean, I mean, and it didn't help that uh carry on Johnson also took a pay cut to try to be uh more affordable for the team too. So I thought that that was pretty interesting. I agree. Jason Huntley. Mem- uh, the only way I think he stays is if he becomes the kick returner and they use him back there primarily because it, it, he showed some flashes last year when he was at lineup and running back, but I didn't see that much. I mean, but get, get back to the point of rotation. I think you're going to need about three guys regularly. Like they've done in the past, to run this offense because as much as it looks like what when the Indianapolis, what the Colts did, they used a lot of the, the run games essential to there and even when it came to the screen game. So these guys are going to get a lot of touches. You don't want to wear them out. And Miles Sanders is still a very good back in this league, but we, there's still questions of if he can last the whole entire season because he gets nicked up and he has soft tissue injuries and it's a little rough. So Boston Scott, he still has to prove. I think he still has to prove himself a little bit against other teams other than the Giants. So there's there's a lot of competition to go on. I see them possibly carrying four, and Killen, Killens is just that wild card. I mean, he was during minicamp; he was practicing with the wide receivers running routes with them too. He's he's a wild. I don't know if they have something in play, in mind for him. He could be another practice squad guy, but I could see them bringing in about using about four. Who, who knows? Maybe they bring in five for into the regular season.
0: Yeah, I think where I stand right now, uh, I've got Miles Sanders, Boston Scott, Carryon Johnson, Kenneth Gainwell, and then if they keep a fifth guy, it'll be Huntley as the returner. Let's get into wide receivers. So I brought up their numbers. Uh, we'll add Adrian Killens to the list, so he'll he'll be one of the nine. Now you could say nine wide receivers. You know they're only going to keep six or seven. Uh, you know five to six wide receivers. So what are you worried about? Well there's a lot of routes run during training camp, like a lot guys are consistently moving and and you, you're going to have injuries. You're going to have soft tissue injuries as Chris brought up. Typically you want to bring in 10 to 11, maybe even 12 uh, wide receivers. Cause when you think about it, look, Devontae Smith's going to maybe play a couple of series in training camp. Same with Jalen Rager. Uh, Greg Ward really doesn't need to play in in the preseason Uh, Travis Fulgham probably doesn't really need to play in the preseason. So that's four guys right there that don't need to play in the preseason. So then you're down to J.J. Orsega-Whiteside, Jamon Osbon, the undrafted rookie, uh, John Hightower, Quez Watkins, and then Adrian Killen. So that's five guys. Um, And if you have an injury or two, you know, you've got really low numbers. Now, that said, they do have some former wide receivers at tight end, like Hakeem Butler. Um, and you know, Caleb Wilson can play wide receiver as well, but it's just a weird, uh, number count. Obviously there's a report out that they're going to sign Michael Walker, former return room receiver for the Jaguars. He'll be kind of a camp body, maybe make the practice squad. So, so let's talk about it. Like it's 10. Okay. So you've got Devontae Smith, Jalen Rager, Greg Ward, Travis Fulgham. I think the four of those guys are going to make the roster for sure. Uh, as much as Greg Ward is just a slot receiver, I think they value his leadership. I think they value his intelligence. Uh, then from there, if they keep six, you've got, uh, John Hightower, Quez Watkins, JJ or single Jamon Osman, Adrian Killens, and then Michael Walker. So those are six guys competing for two spots. How do you see the wide receiver group shaking out? Chris?
1: Well, I agree with you when it comes to Ward. I think he's he is as funny as say this, but he's kind of like the old guy of the group now. He's right. he's, he's so cheap. young, and he's Yeah, <laughs> and and, and this, given this team's cap situation, that they they need guys like that. But I agree with you, Smith, Folgum, Rager, Ward. Those are your top four. Whiteside, see, this is, I, I'm afraid of. This is going to be the trap in camp again. Everybody's going to, myself included, are going to see these sideline thro- sideline catches that he makes and he toe taps and they think, hey, you know what? It's a new cruise, a new coaching staff. He's going to finally figure it out. And then it's, we're just going to be setting ourselves up for disappointment later. I know they're setting him they're playing him in the slot a little bit more. Maybe they think he's going to be like a Jason Avant type guy with his sides in the middle. But given that you're going to have Ward in, Ward in there, you're going to have you may see Fogelman Rager. I think they're talking about Rager. He's a Rager more in a slot. I don't see how he's gonna be able to sneak in there. And then you gotta look at the special teams aspect. Is he gonna be a good enough player or a special teams that warrants him be taking the spot? And I just don't see that. I think Watkins takes one of the is the fifth wide receiver, or I think especially I believe it's that like Cardinals game, he he looks good. I still see there's a lot of potential with him and he was just banged up last season. So if he uh, it's, it's shame we're saying it's a lot with this this team, but if he remains healthy, I think he can give you a lot. if that final spot. I mean, gives all, I'm a little intrigued by Alsburn. Jack Jackson. I, I don't know about Jackson, so it, it is going to be tough. Hightower. I think it, it, this this is a make or break year for. He can't continue to drop balls like he did catchable balls. So he, his speed's intriguing, but if he continues to drop balls, it is it is, it is I think it's curtains for him and a second round pick versus a six round pick. I think they, they would rather lean toward or say a wide side over Hightower, but it is, it's going to be a fun battle to watch. It's going to be fun to see how much these guys have learned and progressed over this off season.
0: Yeah. See, so they brought in Smith and when, when they drafted Smith, I thought that was a really bad sign for John Hightower because John Hightower is really just a Z Z receiver. Uh, he needs space. He's not very strong. Um, he's a guy who can just burn. But, like, when you have Smith, Rager, Quez Watkins, who can all play, you know, who can all be deep shot guys, Hightower needs to add an element to, to his game. He also needs to play special teams this year. He and Quez Watkins didn't play on special teams last year. There's absolutely no way that happens this year if they're going to make the squad. Like you said, JJ white Whiteside needs to see where he's at. Um, Adrian Killens to me is appealing, but he's more of like a long term play. I'd put him on the practice squad, um, whether he plays well or not. Uh, I just think you've got to develop his hands. You've got to develop his route running. I know he caught a lot of balls out of the backfield at UCF, but playing wide receiver is a lot different than catching balls out of, you know, in the flat. So um, moving to tight end. Okay. So Zach Ertz is still here. Um, It's surprising. (laughs) Yeah. you know, I get why they didn't trade him during the draft, uh, especially if you weren't getting the return you wanted. But he's taken up $8.5 million that you could realistically have to use to do something, you know, a little bit more interesting and impact your roster. Maybe it's upgrading cornerback position. Maybe it's upgrading the defensive line. Um, could be that, you know, you, you're upgrading the quarterback position potentially. I mean, look, there's... million can make a lot of things happen. And um, more money, better depth chart. You know what I mean? Not more problems. Um, (laughs) uh, And look, look, I mean, if you don't feel like you're getting what you want from, you know, I I know for a fact that they've discussed player for player deals in the past, but the market's dwindling. The available cash for teams is dwindling. I, I just don't know if... Uh, you're supposed to be, um, I I just like, look, if he doesn't want to be here and I get it, he's a franchise corner, cornerstone. Why are we talking about, like, value here, right? I mean, look, he's done enough for this, this team. I know a lot of people are like, well, trade him for a third or nothing. I mean, it's still an unknown player. Um, If you can get another player for him, maybe you can sell the upside of it all. But yeah, for me, I I just... Zach Ertz, if they're going to head towards divorce, he cannot show up in training camp. Um, They kind of avoided a scary situation for Ertz returning from mandatory minicamp, potentially risking injury. Um, Ertz's play last year did not warrant $8.5 million. Um at this point I believe he's the third highest paid player on the team and just with the way this team is going it just doesn't fit and sometimes you have to make tough decisions but it is what it is look Zach Ertz will forever be a legend in Philadelphia he'll always be remembered he'll probably have his jersey retired at one point 86 probably won't be available after this but like it's time. Dallas Goddard is in the final year of his deal. If you're going to pay him, you've got to figure out where, where he's at as a number one tight end. And then behind that, there's like a mixture of project players and afterthought. So Hakeem Butler, a wide receiver turned tight end. Jason Kroom, who has been like on multiple practice squads, but has seen some occasional action tyree jackson who you mentioned before quarterback turned tight end jake's uh, jack Stahl, an undrafted uh tight end from nebraska and then caleb wilson um the son of chris wilson the eagles former defensive line coach who played on special teams last year what's your thoughts on tight end
1: well first of all thank you very much for giving me the thought way of saying more money more problems now i have images of howie roseman and Andy weidel now in red suits singing around with uh Thanks so with Biggie so thanks for that. Uh, <laughs> overall, when it comes to tight end, yeah, you're right. When it comes to Zach Ertz, there's no way he can there's no way he can come back because the first, you know, they're going to endure all the questions. If you're gonna if, if if the situation if he if he does come back, well, how why why did you do that? Why did you want to leave there? It's just too much of a circus and distraction to go around there. So you got Goddard going to be your tight end one. Stoll intrigues me. I, 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 his production in college, in Nebraska, was all right. I, I thought it was okay, and and given how much sometimes his team likes to use a, two, uh, a Sirianni and the Colts used a, two tight end personnel sets, I think he fits well, and I think he's a better blocker than a lot of these other guys that are, that are available. Because you have like Butler and Jackson, like and other guys that are converted to playing this position. And then when it comes to Wilson, Wilson to me, Wilson scares me because he, like you say, he's a special teams guy. I mean, I remember watching that one; he was doing the one on one blocking, one on one blocking drills, and it, it scares me. So unless he's going to be a, another special teams contributor, eh, nah. Kroom, I, I really think Kroom could be a guy who's that third tight end that they keep. I, it, I thought he did well for the role that he played last year, so I wouldn't be surprised that. And then you know you got Richard Rogers still lingering around and. Like you, like you mentioned earlier today, that the Eagles have about $4 million, $4.9 dollars million available in their cap space. Bringing a guy like them, if he's willing to come back, say for a one year deal that's within there, I think that's that, that might be the route to go. But it it it's certainly it's it certainly it, it, they may be big on numbers, but when it comes on talent behind Goddard, it, it's just a lot of question marks that are sitting there.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I think tight end's a weird spot. I think Richard Rodgers is a potential bringback now that the Eagles have three open spots on their roster. One will obviously go to Michael Walker. Um, Yeah, it's interesting to watch. Watch them do something interesting the second we're done with this podcast. That's part of the reason why we haven't been able, excuse me, to record very often because we're just waiting for the next shoe to drop. But uh, let's move to the offensive line. This is a big group. I'm not going to name everybody. Um, here's what's set. Isaac Samalo at left guard, Jason Kelsey at center, Brandon Brooks at right guard, who looks phenomenal, by the way. Uh, Lane Johnson at right tackle. Backup right tackles Jack Driscoll. Backup right guard is likely to be, um, Nate Herbig. Backup center is likely to be Landon Johnson. Backup left guard is likely to be Sua Opeta. Um, from there... You know, you got Matt Pryor, Ross Pierschbacher, Brett Toth, um, Little Raven Clark, and some other guys fighting for spots. But the real prime spot that we're paying attention to, and we'll get into it a little bit later, is obviously Jordan Mailata versus Andre Dillard. Um, We spoke to Jeff Stoutland on Wednesday. He confirmed there is most definitely a competition there and that nobody really has an edge. What's your outlook on the offensive line right now? Can this group bounce back?
1: I think they can. And uh, I th- when you have those four guys that play together in Say Malu, Kelsey, Brooks, and Johnson, they know each other's idiosyncrasies. They know where it's way to slide. They're used to knowing how they're going to feel the double teams. And when they're together They're very good, and they can keep quarterbacks clean. They kept wins clean when they were played well, and they were intact before guys started falling down to injuries. So they their experience. Stoutland's done a good job bringing those guys together and 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 being prepared week in and week out. So this this unit will play better than it did last season because you'll have everybody available and ready to go. Um, the, the depth part, I think, I think one of the byproducts of having so many injuries, which they got to see a lot of guys get time and experience, which I think was key. You look at Driscoll who played, I thought he played well for at right tackle when he was inserted there, he gives you some positional flexibility because he can also go to guard in a pinch, in but you really don't have to do that because you have Herbig, who's able to play left and right guard. Some of these other guys, I mean, uh, I think Opeta, uh, I thought he played better as the season went on. I I was really skeptical of his play early, early on, but I think the more and more he got a feel for the game, more experience he got, I thought he was all right. So this, to me, this is the, this for me, this is the deepest part of this team. There's there's a lot of position. There's a lot of talent and flexibility and positional interchangeability that you can go with all these guys.
0: So let's move to the defense where there's like a hodgepodge of like hybrid players that we don't really know who's lining up at what really at this point, even JG, Jonathan Gannon, the defensive coordinator has kind of hinted at not really having a set group. Um, I don't buy that personally. I think he knows what he wants to do. I think he just wants to figure out and affirm what, what those, spots are in training camp like he knows what he wants to do i mean it would be asinine to think otherwise but they're not going to fall prey to hey this is our scheme this is what we're going to do maybe it's they change a few things and, and create some wrinkles but um the starting defense we expect them to stick with a 4-3 base um and in that case the starters will be Derek Barnett and brandon graham at defensive end fletcher cox at defense at defensive tackle joan hargraves at nose tackle. Um, you know, and then they have a really strong second platoon of ro- rotators defensive end. They have Ryan Kerrigan and Josh Sweat um, a defensive tackle son Ridgeway, Milton Williams. I mean, they're going to have some really good depth here. Uh, they've also got the rookies like Marlon Tupu, uh, uh Mr. T Mr. T. Mr. T, you know, T.Y. McGill gave them some quality snaps. I don't know if he's really a favorite to make the roster. Um, You know, they drafted guys like Teron Jackson and Patrick Johnson, who are kind of hybrid linebacker defensive ends. Um, Raekwon Williams was a guy that appealed to a lot of draft Twitter before. They recently signed Willie Henry, who'd been out of the league for a bit. Um, What's your overall take on the defensive line?
1: Another deep position for this team. I really like the defensive end pairings. I I, I think you get Kerrigan in there with a lot of the young guys. You still have Brandon Graham, who still plays well. Barnett, it, for him, <laughs> this is make or break. If he wants to get that big contract next year, he has to prove that he's able to bounce back. And I, I think given that the depth they have at this position, they don't have to put him out there as much, which keeps him fresher, which get, increases his production. So I'm, I'm completely cool with that. But yeah, I'm, I'm really, I'm actually really high on seeing what, how Teron Jackson does in this, in this season. Uh, I think he can contribute in a big way and, and give some edge rushing inside. Uh, you have another case where it, it's really top heavy. I think you got Fletcher Cox where you get there and Javon Hargrave. And I like Hassan Ridgway. I think he, when you include him in there, it's, you, you got a good uh, three-man rotation when it comes to uh, i'm curious to see how they're going to use Milton Williams I know he can play deep tackle on DN I I think he's more to fit a defensive tackle and I and I'm curious he's got the speed and the power to be inside which is going to be per, is is great because if you got another player who's as strong as the number the bench n- press numbers he put up and, and the strength he has you got a guy on the inside that can push back guards and and push that pocket back into a quarterback I tell you for experience, it, it makes you give you some happy feet. So it, it's good that they have that. I mean, Ty, I think Ty would be probably the fourth guy in there. Ra- Raquan Williams, I think he's more of like a three. I think he's more of a three-four guy, but he gets me rec. I mean, short yardage, he's a good player there. But overall, I think this uh, this is is another very deep position deep defensive group.
0: So we move on to linebackers. As we mentioned, they're kind of hybriding it up. Jaquan. Bailey is built like a linebacker. Uh, there there are reports out there that Gennard Avery and Joe Osman can move to linebacker, which would be interesting. They'd probably play the Sam role. Um, you know, Ryan Kerrigan has obviously played a lot in three, four defenses as an outside linebacker. That's intriguing. Um, but as far as... The overall linebacker group, you look at Sean Bradley, T.J. Edwards, Alex Singleton, Jacoby Stevens, Rashad Smith, Davian Taylor, and then Eric Wilson, who's going to be leading the charge uh, at Mike and Will Linebacker. Um, When we were at practice the other day, Eric Wilson and uh, T.J. Edwards were the nickel linebackers, uh, which was a little surprising because you would think that Alex Singleton would be better in space than T.J. Edwards that could have been a red herring. Um, I fully expect if they do have a traditional four, three front, the base would be uh, Wilson at will um, uh, TJ Edwards at Mike and Singleton at Sam. And then um, depending on the situation, maybe they would do uh, either Edwards or Singleton with Wilson, but Wilson's being pegged as the guy. Uh, He's coming off a really, solid uh season with the vikings where he had uh three interceptions and three sacks he's clearly going to influence the game on passing downs which is something they've needed at linebacker for a very long time uh he signed to a one-year improvement deal but her perhaps he could be kind of an alshon jeffrey like case where he could earn an extension um after a really positive start but they're liking what they're seeing from him from a from a from a leadership standpoint, um, we looked at last year's draft picks, Davian Taylor and and Sean Bradley. They're going to have to make compete to make this roster. Um, I think they have a good shot. Uh, Jacoby Stevens is another guy who I'm intrigued by, who's more of a hybrid player. But if Patrick Johnson and, you know, Osman and Avery are, are moving the linebacker, this is a really, like, crowded group not from a talent standpoint, but from a number standpoint. So it'll be interesting to see how that competition shakes out. What do you think about linebacker?
1: Well, I think the one thing, because these guys are so light, they went athletic and for speed for, I think, for more coverage reasons. And I think that's why they beefed up along the defensive lines to try to keep these guys free from being absorbed by the, the linemen. They, they're very, I, I like the athleticism of this group. I mean, a lot, a lot of these guys, I, I look at, a guy like Wilson I look at a guy Singleton these guys can move from sideline to sideline and they have the speed so that's a very very good I think that's a very good attribute I'm still worried about the run defense when it comes to them and it looked like at times because of their size they took they absorbed a lot of those blocks they weren't able to get off get off of them and that's where you start to see four five six yard chunks at times as defense they couldn't get off the field overall I think we look at I I, I like Having Wilson, Singleton, and I like Edwards as that as a, as as a Sam for myself. I think I like I like him as a, as a Sam on there because I, I don't think you can take him off the field because I think Singleton definitely Singleton's better in coverage than you have there. But uh, it's, Jacoby Stevens is real interesting, and I I really wonder if he he's the new big nickel type of guy, and they put him at linebacker just for that reason. So and they so, or they play a little bit more four two five, and even though he's quote he'll be the quote-unquote fifth guy it's real interesting you can use because of his skill set and his size I think you can use him in so many different roles and I wonder what Gannon has. I think Gannon might have like a has a little special package that's for him to, to use them in different things so he may hold that close to the vest I'm really really intrigued by Steve Stevens. but it's a very athletic group
0: yeah I think I think that's very clear so we'll go to the defensive backs and this group Again, crowded, but for a number of purposes in training camp. I mean, you know, you look at the cornerbacks. You've got Darius Slay, uh, Zach McPherson, Josiah Scott, Nate Maters, Avante Maddox, Craig James, Lavert Hill, um, Michael Jaquette, uh, Shaquille Taylor, uh, oh, and, and Kayvon Seymour. Um, look, Darius Slay is going to be the number one. of Maddox is probably going to play in the slot. Uh, they seem to like Craig James a lot more than we do. Um, Zach McPherson's intriguing, but I don't know if he's going to start off the bat. Um, they did interestingly give him number 27, which I found uh, kind of a, an eye-opener. <laughs> um, look, I think there's no question this group needs to have an upgrade at the number two cornerback spot. Um, I like a group of... Slay, Steven Nelson, Avante Maddox, Craig James, Michael Jaquette, and Zach McPherson over a group of Darius Slay, Craig James, Avante Maddox, Zach McPherson, Michael Jaquette, um, and uh, like Kayvon Seymour. so Or Josiah Scott. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean. I, then you move to safety, Anthony Harris. Um, Rodney McLeod might not be able to play right away because of his ACL surgery. You've got Kayvon Wallace, who would probably take McLeod's spot in the lineup if he couldn't play, Marcus Epps, Graylin Arnold, uh, Andrew Adams, Elijah Riley. Uh, that group's a little bit better set up, I think, depth-wise than we probably give them credit for. Uh, mainly because of the addition of Anthony Harris. So, what's your take overall in the secondary?
1: You're right. The sec, the safety's positions is, in my opinion. I feel more comfortable with what they're going to be rolling out with the cornerback. Really, really, it, it really scares me because not only do you have. The height, I know, and I know height. Everybody says, "Like, well, it's more about leverage, speed." I'm still worried about those fifty-fifty balls, especially with some of those receivers. You have guys like Amari Cooper. You got Ceedee Lamb. All these guys in this division, McLaren, I'm worried about them going up against the, the cornerbacks going against them. Slay, I have no problems with. I think he still is one of the, the on a top tier cornerbacks in this league. Uh, I don't think he's like a top three or four, but I think he's definitely a top tier guy. That's included with them. It's when it comes to the nickel and it comes to that second cornerback. It's going to be interesting on there. I, remember how high everybody was on uh, Jaquette? I mean, remember, remember last year? Like, I still have I still I have questions when it comes to him. I, I don't I don't feel that comfortable. I I, I I was a little worried about the way how he came out his, his stance a little bit early on, and, and it continued on in, in his injuries. So I, I'm not really I'm still really concerned about this cornerback group and, and there's still time. I mean it's past June first, so there's still a lot of guys out there. You mentioned Nelson who I'm also very high on, but they they, ha- if if they don't find something to some way some person to address that second corner, it might be uh might be a long, long year running in that secondary. So,
0: special teams, the familiar faces, obviously, kicker Jake Elliott, long snapper Rick Lovato. Elliott's got to bounce back from having a pretty uh, blah uh, season last year. Uh, they've got Aaron Sipas, who's going to replace Cam Johnston. I still find it hilarious that they have not given him any competition, but, you know, that's been their way for the last three or four years. So. There it is. So that's the roster. Um, they're at eighty-seven players, um, and you know they have one exemption with your guy Matt Leo. Um, with the well, I guess technically they have eighty-eight players uh, with that exemption. So, um, what's the roster battle that you're most looking forward to?
1: Well, it's definitely left tackle. Uh, but for me, it's a fact between Jordan Mailata and andre dillard i i look that i will say this i thought it was open and shut it, it open shot is is my lot to give and, and if for all i know it could be all lip service but dillard just seems like a whole different person now and the, he didn't look like he didn't look like he had a lot of uh, that fire that nastiness you wanted in your left tackle the guy who you put out there say you know what i'm not letting you get to my quarterback i'm I'm protected. his blind side. You're going to stay in front of me or I'm going to drive you to the ground, get a pancake, put some syrup on you. He's, he didn't seem to have that type of nastiness, so that, and I think Maialata did. But his mindset, the fact that he mentioned to us when he talked to us that he basically has turned out social media, that he's looking to just improve overall. He has a new appreciation for the game. I think if you – that he physically he had the tools. It was just meant his mentality and how he approached the game that had a lot of people question him. And I look at it, I still think my wins out this battle, but if he's able to perform at the level that he is capable of, I think he could become a very good trade chip that for his team to maybe get that corner that they're looking for. I mean, who, what battle do you think is going to be really intriguing?
0: I mean, I'm still trying to figure out cornerback. Um, you know, I, I, a cornerback is is something else. I mean, it's a glaring need. It was their biggest need entering the draft, in my opinion. And their only, you know, solution was a fourth-round pick. Now, I can, I've said it before. I'll say it again. They wanted the two cornerbacks in that top ten. Um, but the fact that they weren't able to kind of address that situation – is really uh, kind of perplexing. So, I, you know, I just want to see, see and know who's going to be the number two guy opposite Darius Slay. If it's Craig James, you don't feel good about it. If it's Zach McPherson, sure, it's cool to take your lumps while he develops, but again, you don't feel good about it. Michael Jaquette, same, same thing. So, make sure you guys sign up for uh, Eagles Extra so you can ask questions to Chris and myself over the next couple of weeks. I know we're in kind of the dead period, but we love interacting with you guys. You can sign up for Eagles Extra at nj.com text. Um, we're, we're still having a bunch of fun. We do weekly Q and A's on Fridays. Um, you can also subscribe to our podcast. Please do on any podcast platform that you use. We're available. Uh, we're also available on YouTube. Um, you know, Chris, I, I think as we enter this period of nothing, it's important to kind of keep perspective in the fact that look, this is a new staff, this is a young staff, and this is a young roster. It's gonna be interesting to see how guys come back in shape or or lack thereof. Um what's your final thoughts on this roster?
1: It's a very young roster and it has a lot of potential. It's going to be. It, it's there's there's a lot of in the holes and you expect that with a team that finished last in the division. But there's a lot of hope, and it's going to be key to see how this coaching staff develops. That's their, their basically their main goal for this first year. I want to see is is their ability to be teachers, not just so much as hey are exos. I want to see their ability to be teachers and how to get the most out of these young guys because they're going to be core pieces for these next couple of years as they're trying to rebuild this thing. So I want to see how much the, the leap that these guys are able to make from OTAs to training camp and then from training camp into the season and beyond to see, to be able to look at when the season's over and go, hey, you know what? We saw this guy, he, he was rough around the edges, and all of a sudden now we think he could be a contributor in, in the future. So I want to see how well this coaching staff teaches the players and, and develop them. I mean, what about you?
0: Well, I, I mean, look, I, I think it, it's, it's interesting, you know, uh howie roseman said after the draft that there are more there's more than one way to skin a cat which i don't really understand that adage at all but um so i you know i get the vibe that they're not done adding to this roster and so i'm intrigued by what could come uh so for chris i'm mike we'll talk to you really soon thanks for listening to the no huddle show podcast